You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. Played 10 years in the NFL. I'm Craig Hoffman. Cover the Commanders for five years on the beat. Now host a daily radio show on the Team 980, if you don't know. And if you're new to the podcast, you might not also know that Logan and I also, in our, our spare time, uh, so much free time that we both have, uh, our strength coaches. So Logan, uh, you know, started that pursuit uh, at the end of his playing career and, and has continued that at a high level. I've been training people for almost eight years now uh, of all different, all different stripes, uh, all different levels. But uh, you know, we kind of wanted to bring that side of our brains to discussion about OTAs, Logan. And, and you called me a little bit before we started recording here and, and pitched this idea. And I love it because I, I think it's pretty fascinating how OTAs in the offseason has evolved over the years. And the idea was you take out contact, you reduce injuries, and the results are mixed depending on who you ask. And right. there's been different years and the types of injuries change and, and all that stuff. But generally speaking, uh, I know you've been having some conversations with folks around the league and, and they think, you know, overall their injury rates are down uh, and that that means mission accomplished. But right. what are the pros and cons of, of how uh, the offseason has changed? And then we can get into some of the best practices and, and ways to make sure that guys are ready mentally and physically for the season under the new rules. Yeah. So I think it's important to just kind of understand what it was. You know, like when I first got in the league, like you know, that's 2010. This was old CPA. It was one year under the old CBA and Mike Shanahan was the head coach and he did a good job of taking care of you, but taking care of you under old CBA, this is what it looked like for our rookie mini camp, right? We came in and we had a practice at four 30, like basically right when the sun peaked up over the trees, the rookies would be on the field and we'd have a two hour practice. Boom. Right there oh. against each other, against all the rookies. Right. So you can't do, <clears throat> You can't do team. You can't do, you can do a little seven on seven, right? You can do like nine on seven, which are kind of different, you know, drills where you're, you know, nine on seven is a blocking drill. Seven on seven is a throwing drill, but you're not using all 11 guys, right? And we do that for like an hour and a half, two hours. We'd come in, we'd have breakfast and we'd go to meetings. We'd meet for a couple hours and then we'd come back out for practice with the team. And obviously as rookies, we didn't get as many reps in that practice, but we were on the field. We did an individual and, you know, I'd get, 10 reps in that practice, which is pretty good. It's not an insignificant amount. We'd go back in, we'd have lunch, we'd meet again, and then we'd have a walkthrough. And a lot of teams would treat that as a second practice. And walkthrough under Mike was basically like a, he called it a full speed walkthrough. So like you would sprint, 
you would block, you just didn't have your helmet on and everyone kind of worked a different tempo, but it was like a two hour activity. And so that's what old OTAs used to be, right? They could basically do whatever they wanted. And if you juxtapose that to now, which is kind of like you get there at eight and you have six hours in the building. So you have meetings in the morning, you have a practice, which is very highly governed by the NFLPA. You know, we just talked about how Ron lost sessions and then you have a kind of a conclude, a conclusion meeting and then you're out of the building. You're out of the building like two. I, I compare that to what I did as a rookie, which is you're in at like f- approximately 5 a.m. And then you're leaving at like seven, you know, like that's in the yeah. off season. So very, very different. And a lot of people, I think, you know, like it depends on who you talk to. You talk to agents, right? I think a lot of agents with guys who have young players in the NFL, they get a little bit worried because it's like it makes it really you don't have the same rep volume to develop young talent, right? And I understand that. But as an older guy, you know, and I, you mentioned I've talked to a couple of people around the league, like strength coaches, and they they mentioned that despite this drastic decrease in offseason prep, their injury rates have gone down a little bit going into the season and through the season. And I think one of the things I wanted to bring up with you, Craig, is that, you know, training volume, in my opinion, is one of the highest indicators or highest risk factors for injury, Right. And so are you, are they just, have they just done a good job of saying, don't go crazy with the training volume in the off season, letting the athlete recover. And then here's your 18 week period where you're really going to get banged up. And then we have a longer off season period to recover. Cause you know, like George Kittle said this, Ladanian Tomlin said this, like every week it's like getting in a car crash. And I can attest to that. It's just like, you come out of that game feeling like you've never felt before in a bad way. And is that stress of season so high that you need the full off season to kind of be relatively chill to make sure you're fully recovered? And right now, the early early return on investment, because this is a relatively new process, is that the injury rates are slightly lower. So again, like I know people freak out about this, but it might be benefiting the players long term. Yeah, this will stun you, Logan, but I have a lot of thoughts. I will try to can yeah, I'll no, try to try to try to doing it. Yeah, make them make them, you know, one at a time so we can kind of go through it. Um, Okay, let me ask you this first to make sure I'm not just throwing numbers at the wall here. If the season is a 10, right, in terms of intensity, your RPE, your rate of perceived exertion is 10. 10. What was the the Shanahan days OTA like? So for me, as a rookie trying to make the team, like, and this is, I know people say this, and I'm not being hyperbolic here. My agent was like, treat every single day like a game. And you better believe I did. So it was it was full contact. Like I was trying to finish guys. I was going as hard as I could. And you can ask any defensive guy that I played with. I was a psycho. I might have been a little bit of an outlier there. But I was ramped like that in practice. Now, the game is a little bit higher. The crowd's there. The opponent's yeah, there. Yeah, adrenaline. So let's the, say it was a nine. Yeah, like I was like maybe eight, eight and a half, eight, something like that. Like okay. I was, I was pushing it though for sure. So you, you, let's let's say the average guy, it's it's an eight under yeah. the old system, seven and a half, eight, somewhere in there, right? And the current one is a five, a four, six, yeah. somewhere five, in there, six, four yeah. to six, uh, depending on who you are. You know, if you're Trent Williams, it's probably like a two. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's the benefit of being Trent Williams, right? So. I, I think if you realize that though that's the scale of intensity, there is something to the entire off season to recover. Yeah. I think there's probably more to it though 
that if you try to take that recovery seriously from January, February, March, depending on when your season ended, uh, for some folks, it's just February, March, and then April, you're kind of starting to get back on the field a little bit. And then by May it's there. Did you really ramp up properly to to May? Right. And and that's essentially what we're going to wind up talking about here is kind of that ramp period. And I referenced it earlier with Chase. If Chase can work at a six now, uh, seven in seven and a half in training camp, eight, eight and a half in preseason. And then he's ready to go, you know, first couple of weeks, maybe he's only still performing at a nine, but you know, that's, he's just getting adjusted first couple of weeks of the season. And then he's, he's humming at 10 by week three. That's good. And by the way, Chase Young at a nine, if he's Chase Young, is a pretty really, you know, ridiculously good football player. Um, but you know, if you are at a one and a two, cause you need to recover from the season. You need to rebuild. You know, we, we typically put our athletes through a phase zero and when they come out of the season, right. Uh, meaning that you are doing strict recovery and, um, kind of restorative exercises. You're doing a lot of corrective exercises coming out of the season because you've been banged up. You've been uh, dealing with pain and maybe your squat is your squat pattern is off because you've been compensating for an ankle that doesn't feel very good and thus isn't as mobile as it was uh, or as we'd like it. So we give you a couple weeks uh, of deload. We we really work on that ankle mobility. We let that ankle heal and, and then you start to build back up into phase one, that base building, phase two, trying to put some muscle back on, phase three, starting to turn that muscle into strength and power and on up the list until you get to your final like phase six, which is explosiveness, right? That's yeah. kind of how... Um, you know, we, I say we, the, the train with the best Onyx elite method, uh, that, that Chris <laughs> Gore is my co-host on the train with the best podcast, who is like Lorenzo Alexander's trainer, for instance, right. um, Randall Cobb worked with him. He's worked with Kerrigan. He's worked with a bunch of guys over the years. Like that's how he would phase out an off season is, is really at seven phases because zero, you know, zero through six, but that's kind of how that, that would go. And if you're only at phase three by May. And all of a sudden you're being, you're asking your body to perform at 10 yeah. or an eight and a half or nine, then you're probably going to get hurt in OTAs. It's not necessarily getting hurt during the season. It's like, there are just less reps available where you are asking your body to do something it's not capable of. And by the way, more full speed, high impact collisions in May yeah. that guys are getting hurt on. And so if you take those away, there's just less chances to get hurt. You're not asking your body to do things it's not capable of yet because you're not at that phase of training. And by the time you get to August where we really want to peak, like we always tried to get, um, or Chris, I should say, always try to get Lorenzo like in, you know, it it wasn't necessarily ready for the season, but ready for preseason by the time he went to training camp. And, And so if you have the time to do that and, and periodize it out properly, I think you're just going to see a ton less injuries. And, and that is, that's kind of the physical side of it. Um, sure. And then there's a mental side I want to talk about as well, but we can get there in a second. Yeah. Let me just uh, elaborate on that. So like, I think what, well, like what, so something that I would notice is that I would, so when training camp was really hard, like train, I'm talking just training camp, like right. so this, back this, in the two a days. Like, yeah. All that kind so of stuff. this was like old CBA. I wasn't like physically right. I'm not even, this is not an exaggeration. So probably like week five or six, four or five, excuse me. So like, I was so beat up from training camp that I was in like, I would say this like higher environment of like injury risk for like four or five weeks because training camp, I mean, listeners who played high school football or played college, like the two days were no joke. And imagine taking that with like the alphas of the alphas for two days in the NFL and just beating the ever loving 
crap out of each other for four weeks. Like you came out of that just totally broken down. And the off season was kind of the same way. And they gave you this like month before season. And like, you know, think about it. We were doing like a 10 week, something like, was it 10 weeks, 11 weeks off season of just ramping, you know, and then you get a month off and I hate to break it to you. That's not enough time to recover from like, you know, the, 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 the sprained elbow, the, the messed up knee, the ankle, the shoulder, then go right into the training camp then go right into season. So like, I do think like in retrospect, thinking back on it, that the, the training volumes accrued in the off season and training volume here where, you know, obviously there's the weight room, excuse me, but there's also, you know, the practice that's a training stimulus. And so yes. that just, so we were actually going, like, if you really thought about it, like it was almost like year round of like pretty heavy hitting in the off season. And something that I noticed when I got in the year, I think it was year four or five, like I, my off season, I couldn't lift the same way I wanted to. Like, and I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm not pushing hard enough. And I think it was just accumulated fatigue, quite honestly, from four years of playing NFL football. And I never letting the elbow heal or never letting the wrist heal, never letting the neck get right, whatever it was. And so I do think that this period of kind of like, let's put the brakes on the off season while old heads, like when this first happened, I hated this, Greg. I thought this was the dumbest thing ever. Cause it's like, how am I going to get better? But in reality, like when I kind of step back and take a look at it, I'm like, it actually is probably better like longitudinally for guys because like yeah. it just it keeps you fresher, you know? And I, I think the other thing that I wanted to bring up is like before old CBA, like you could lift weights like pretty much the whole offseason with the club, right? You could be here the whole time lifting weights. And now they've really limited that to about, I think it's six weeks now, five weeks, something like that. And you know, and I know, and now the listeners hopefully will know, that that is not enough time to cultivate a, a longitudinal adaptation, right? A normal training block is like 12 to 14 weeks, you know, approximately. Yeah, depending on the adaptation. Right, but yeah. right, about. And so to get six weeks, like your muscles will adapt, but your tendons aren't quite there. So like, why am I going to take this for this six weeks and then go into this heavy football? It's okay to kind of, like you said, slowly ramp up. So I think fans, they think, oh, this is soft. This is the blah, blah. blah. But I do think that it is the appropriate ramping. We talked about MMA, right? We were yeah. we were putting gloves on with no headgear and straight throwing <laughs> punches at each other. Old CBA, like that's what we were doing. Yeah. And now this is a little bit more of a of a of a build, a slow burn to that fire that is the season. Right, right. And you need that time to to build up that muscle adaptation and and you know rebuild. I mean, that's the other thing too is like you lose weight during the season. Like you, yeah. you lose strength, you lose power. I will say one of the things that that was super impressive that I saw during my time is guys who were able to peak at the end of the season. Like Josh Norman, say what you want about how yeah. he played when he was here, but that dude was available. Um yeah. and he I'm trying to remember what year. It might have been his last year here, honestly. Day after the season, he PR'd his like bench press. Mm. And you're just like, he took wow. care of his body. He took right. his lifting seriously. Like he, he periodized in, in his mind, you know, obviously they didn't make the playoffs, but in his mind, he's like, I'm going to peak for the playoffs. A and that's the level of detail that, you know, I think players should be thinking about this stuff with and, and strength coaches and, and try to, but there are so many limitations. It's really hard. I will say this though, the biggest single biggest, uh, factor in injury reduction is mental processing. Mm. If you get yourself caught in bad positions, you're going to get hurt. 
and that is these, and that's across sports, right? Sure. Uh, non-contact injuries, you know, things like that. Or in the case of the NFL, like you make a mental mistake, get caught the wrong way, get blindsided. Um, or, you know, you get yourself cut block or, you know, you're not aware of someone diving at your legs. Like those kinds of things happen because you're not mentally in it. And that's why a guy like a Trent Williams can go at a one or two in, in the, the preseason. Like he's, he's able to just right. see the game, think the game so much better and be ready. But it's why, for instance, in the NBA, like LeBron James may be the smartest player to ever play the game. He has largely been healthy over a 20 year career. And some of his injuries that he has had have been bad luck. Like he slipped on a wet spot on a floor. There was nothing he could do about that. He right. just caught bad luck and strained his adductor. Like those types of things are going to happen. But the best players are the best players because they are the smartest players. And they typically are available because they are the smartest players. And I, I think that that gets into a really interesting question about OTAs and injury prevention because part of what you're trying to do during OTAs is get your guys ready for the season immensely. Sure. Do you do the decision? You know, do they know the plays? Do they know the routes? Do they know, are their bodies prepared to make the cuts and do all the things they need to do and do them on balance and good body position? So one that obviously goes to, do you work with whether it's a private trainer or does your strength staff train cutting train, you know, the mechanics of movement stuff that you do exceptionally well, uh, and you're training with a guy like Morgan, you know, people that follow you on Instagram have seen the videos of making sure that Morgan's in a good body position for that punch, all those right. kinds of things. Um, but it's also, do you train decision-making? You know, we, yeah. we use a product called, called blaze pods, right? Um, and people have probably seen these in various things. If you watch like drive to survive the formula one show on Netflix, a lot of them uh, yeah. use this for warmups. Right. And it's just a light series of like reactive type of stuff. And whether it's using a tool like that or just simply like if I say one, go right, if I say two, go left or make it odds and evens, you make it colors and uh, uh, and fruits. Like if I if I scream out banana, you're like you're going to go right, if you know, and, and using things like that to practice for an option route for receivers. Yeah. Right. Those individual decision making and training the decision making and reactive type of things and the more game like you can make it is going to make your athletes more resilient to injury because they're prepared to move like they will in the game. And that, to me, is the biggest question about OTAs and the lack of intensity is how much are you actually simulating game movements so that players are ready for game situations? And I think finding the right balance between training volume and mental preparedness is the sweet spot for the NFL. And that's one where I wonder if they've gotten it quite right yeah. or is there still tweaking to do? Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, like, for example, and I think we talked about this on the phone when I called you earlier, like, um, so one of the one of the reasons they adopted this model is because like rugby league, leagues in the UK adopted a similar model, like you couldn't tackle I forget the exact rule, but you couldn't tackle someone without a bag in a rugby in a rugby practice for like a certain amount of time in the offseason. And so they they did that. And that was fine. But what they noticed is that there was a, a big increase in guys breaking their arms. Right. Because like in a rugby tackle, like you got to kind of get in there in a specific way and guys would get like a 
a knee to the to the bicep and they'd break mm -hmm. their upper arm, break their humerus or whatever. And so that was a big thing for a while, right? And then they had to kind of change their off-season approach. They said, oh, well, we can kind of – it was no tackling. That was it. They, they weren't allowed to tackle. And they, then they had this whole industry develop around rugby of like developing tackling traits in the off-season while not actually hitting a person. And I think that you're kind of walking this line, and you keep referencing Trent Williams, which I think is excellent. But for a guy like Trent Williams, the off-season skill acquisition is not that important to him because this is, what, his 13th year in the NFL? Like, Correct. he has seen everything. He's done everything. Correct, he's, exactly. He's got it all in the CPU. I think it's more important for younger guys, right? And I think, yeah. and, and, well, again, and that's what I was saying, right? Trent yeah. can go at a one or two intensity yeah. because he doesn't need the reps. Guys, right. that, and, and, you know, a slow speed rep for Trent is good enough to keep it fresh sure. versus like, can you make that decision at NFL speed if you are someone who's never seen NFL speed because you're a rookie? Absolutely. And I think so. So that's a huge thing. And then, like, you know, when we say there's been an injury reduction, like when you talk to these strength coaches, one of the things that they they are so concerned with soft tissue, soft tissue injuries, right? And that makes sense. Volume's way down. The body's not as stressed. You're following kind of a nice progression into the season, these high-intensity things, right? So that makes sense. But my question is like, you know, what are the what are the numbers specifically with regards to ACL or concussion, right? Because like one of the things about, you know, off-season work earlier is that I always felt like I knew exactly where my head needed to go to not get super dinged, right? Because we were getting like full speed reps in practice. I'm talking just blocking even, right? So how mm -hmm. to, as a tackler, like I'm sure there's some carry over there. And then ACL injury, you mentioned that kind of reactive element. Like that's where you get a little bit dicey. You get your feet, your 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 rhythm and timing isn't lined up. So it'd be interesting to say like, just, it's, it's easy to say there's been a, a reduction in injury because – a, I'm sure there has been. B, you're not practicing as much, so there's going to be a natural reduction in injury anyway. But like, how does it affect some of those other bigger, um, bigger activities? Um, you know, bigger injuries more specifically with regards to the off season because of some of that kind of neurocognitive stuff that you're doing to kind of get in the right positions and things like that. So I, I do think it's interesting, and I'm not sure they've got it figured out exactly just yet. You know, the NFL, the NFLPA. But, you know, I think when you kind of take a thousand foot view and take some of these statistics that these teams are offering, you know, the old heads that are like, man, this is too soft. I think, you know, um, it is benefiting the players, it, uh, you know, at least on this kind of thousand foot view of the information that's available. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll add, too, is like coaches have to adjust too. you know, yeah. if, if you if you're like, I need 12 weeks to install my offense. Sorry, you don't get it. Yeah. How effective can you be in six weeks? Like you have to make decisions as a coach of what to prioritize and what's important. And I'd rather have, you know, uh, pared down something executed extremely well than a 12 weeks worth of offense executed like crap because we can only add six weeks to install it. Like, and I think that's, other, that's super important. The other thing, I'm glad you brought that up because it also applies to coaching. And I think it does value, you know, obviously install. It, it's clear because you can't have 12 days of install because you only have nine practices, right? So do you mush them right. together, whatever. But also like I've got agents telling me, man, I really want my offensive lineman to go to Cleveland. And I'm like, why would you possibly want that? It's because Bill Callahan's there and he's developed a system of developing offensive tackles given the shorter time constraints, right? He has this really specific methodology for getting these guys ready to play football seasons and getting them technically ready, getting them mentally ready. And I think that that becomes more valuable in this new CBA. Like how do you program as a position coach, which is something that you didn't have to do, 
to get the guys ready for the demands of season, given the restrictions placed on you, right? So if you watch anything Bill Callahan does, there's all these bands and bags and sandbags to help the body of the offensive lineman kind of get used to those big force numbers without actually going against another person. And I think he's done an excellent job of that. So I think you're going to see some cool innovation, you know, from offensive coordinators, from position coaches to get guys ready. And I think it becomes the positions that require more contact, it becomes more complicated. But for receivers, for example, and I think this is maybe one of the reasons you see receiver play at, you know, an all-time high in the NFL is because you can go out and run routes every day. Right. You right. can go out and do that yeah. almost every single day. It's the D line, the offensive line, the linebackers, the tight ends, where you've seen a little bit of a degradation in terms of overall skill when it comes to blocking, taking on blocks, because you don't get to do it as much. And the teams that are really good, the Callahans, for example, that have a methodology to get those guys there become more and more valuable. So I think that's that's also kind of an interesting point of this offseason thing. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Bill, though, um, he because is, people that... He's a psycho, no doubt. Well, I, well, I would say one, because people that uh, <laughs> that remember me covering Bill would be like, Craig, didn't you say some stuff about this? Yeah. I don't think he... I think the methods he uses to get them ready are great. I think he doesn't understand that eventually they're ready and you need to stop. Yeah, I think and he's that was that was that. an issue. I, I think, would imagine. Yeah, because like, you know, like I remember talking to Sheriff, then this is 100% to your point, is, you know, he was taking, gosh, it was like something like 400 reps during training camp, which is a three-week period, in addition to all the special strength stuff that he was doing on the field with them. So he gets them out right. 30 minutes beforehand. They stay 15 Correct. minutes later. And we just talked about how like the number one indicator for injury you know, when it comes to programming is training volume and you just keep pouring more volume onto these guys and you're going to have injuries. And I think there's, it's not a coincidence that while he was here, you know, um, Mo had a lot of injuries, Laval had a yes. lot of injuries, Sheriff had a Trent, lot of injuries. So yeah, I think, I think it's, and, and again, but then you go to Matt Scow and Matt Scow is kind of this veteran coach who didn't have like this methodology for developing young players. So I do think you need to kind of reside in a little bit of both worlds, like knowing where, like knowing that my guy is now Trent Williams, a 13 year vet, he doesn't need to be doing this crazy band work at the same volume as the guy that just came in. Right. So exactly correct. And also it's different in week three versus week 15, 100%. right. Yep. And I will go, I, I will close out this segment, uh, with a little soccer, uh, sprinkle here because I think soccer does an incredible job, the strength coach and kind of the, the culture of how strength coaching is in soccer they try to keep their entire team at similar volumes at all times. Mm -hmm. So if you go to a professional soccer game and the final whistle blows, you will likely see p uh, players that came on as substitutes and the ones that didn't go and run after the game. And what they are trying to do is it's not like, obviously you can't go simulate playing 90 minutes, but they have GPS data on all the players and they realize kind of how, much high speed running and pure sprinting is done. They've come up with tests to say like, okay, you need to cover X amount of yards and X amount of seconds in order to replicate that. We know that the average player at this position does nine 60 yard sprints during a game. So after the game, it, let's say that position, and I'm making up these numbers, right? Um, but let's say it's, it's a midfielder does nine 60 yard sprints during a game afterwards they will take their midfielders and say, you have nine 60 yard sprints. If someone came on as a substitute and did four of them during the game, which they have the GPS tracking data to tell, 
then that player will do the first five and then they'll go walk off and start signing autographs for the fans. Like that, that kind of equity and equality over the course of your roster to understand this is where every player is at versus putting every player through the same exact thing is what actually works because then, you know, if Trent Williams gets or Brandon Sheriff gets a hundred reps in practice, that's a hundred reps. You need to take off them in the post practice stuff. Like you don't, or like, Hey man, you're good. You're done for today. And I don't know, you know, there's so much different data in football that would be like, okay, are we talking about like 20 mini little shuffles of your feet for an offensive lineman? No, like there's not, there's not the same like sprint level data, but there, there should be some, some like parallel, uh, whether it's anecdotal or like hard data based off the chips and the GPS and all that kind of stuff that is available to coaches that a good position coach and strength staff collaborating under a, you know, a head coach should be able to do to, to maximize performance and minimize injury risk and kind of keep everybody all at the same level at all times so that the players are ready if they're called upon and not overworked for when they're the starter. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously culture has a long history of like matching GPS data. And I think coaches in the NFL are getting more aware of how important that is, but it is a slow process. Like there's been a longstanding history with rugby, with um, soccer, using the GPS data overseas and football, again, probably because of some of the limitations you've described, you really have three different types of athletes on the field. You've got these sprinters, you've got these big guys, you've got these mid guys that the volumes for each one of them, they, they can't be the same, right? Because you can't run, the O-line can't run with the receivers and the, and the receivers can't block with the O-linemen, right? So that finding that kind of like middle way, you know, I think has been really interesting. And, and when you go to the combine, you talk to coaches, position coaches, strength coaches, like this is a huge, huge point of conversation about what is the right way to get it done. And everyone's got their own thing. And the other thing is you're all doing this in an effort to mitigate injury risk but the problem is you're playing a contact sport, so you can't mitigate those injuries. So, like it's it's again, if you if you're a listener and you have an idea about this, you can make billions of dollars if you have the right approach to this. <laughs> Leave us a message; we'll take credit for it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll help you get it to the right people and uh, share some of the money. <laughs> but yeah, so I think um, that's something just to kind of keep in mind with the whole whole off-season, whole in-season data monitor. We can talk about that more later when season gets around, but just to kind of give an overview of, of the OTA process and how it's changed and how it might be beneficial to players. Yeah, and like, for example, I remember at the end of training camp practices, sometimes they would put everybody on the line and, you know, you have to run, you know, the only difference is O-line wouldn't run as far as the mid guys and then the the skill position guys had to run the farthest, right? Yeah. Like, to and me, it's changed. like, okay. They used to, everyone used yeah. to be the same. Right. And that, yeah. So you have that. Okay. That's progress of like, okay, the O-linemen don't need to run quite as far. Uh, that's, that's probably dangerous. You don't need anyone pulling a hamstring, but it's also like, it's kind of pointless. Like that's not really conditioning like that. That in no way is that preparing you for football, but what you can do is have fun with it. Right. Let's take the guys who need the extra conditioning, um, because they didn't get as many reps during practice, not because they're out of shape, right? Because they, they didn't get the extra reps in practice. And let's play a game of uh, red light, green light at the end of practice, right? Right. And that way it's competitive. You're working on reaction times. You're working on stopping and starting. And like, 
I'd rather play a game of red light, green light to simulate like, oh, well, this is getting us ready for two minute drill. Then I would, all right, everybody on the line, you got 15 yeah. seconds to run to your spot, whistle. Like that's pointless. Yeah. That's that that's not good. Red light, green light, that's fun. <laughs> and, and by the way, your guys are also probably going to enjoy it a lot more. And like having fun is kind of important too during the dog days of training camp where everyone, sure. you know, is is miserable because it's a hundred degrees out and you're hitting each other and hitting the same dudes every single day. I agree. Absolutely.